Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, returned, my fellow football priest, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kalberman. Zach, the draft weekend, it was a wild, wild experience. Lots and lots of fun. I know people are dying to hear just some of your thoughts and impressions and experience uh, from your experience in Vegas, but how how did you enjoy your first trip? Because I know it was your first trip to Vegas. How did you enjoy that? Well, they say whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not these blisters on my feet, Chad, and the heat rash I have from walking so much. Uh, it comes with the territory, though. You know, you have to go out and explore. And uh, where the venue was, as you know, we had to kind of just uh, find the easiest, shortest, most direct route. We had to walk to it. But I wouldn't trade it in for anything in the world. It was a super fun experience. I'm super grateful and blessed that I got to cover that alongside you, Chad. Uh, the energy was palpable in the media room. Uh, anytime that they showed the Broncos, the Russell Wilson experience, and even Drew Locke, when he was brought up, got tangible booze. It was just nice. The Broncos were at the forefront of discussion. I love being out there. Vegas is Vegas, but for a football lifer like myself, uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So first of all, guys, here's real quick, and then we'll get into some Bronco content because I know you guys want to hear what – What's going on? What we got to say on these issues? What we've gleaned from around the uh, the web and the NFL? But the event itself—it's kind of like if you've ever gone to the combine or you hear or read about the combine. All the on-field stuff—it takes place at Lucas Oil Stadium. Kitty corner to that across the street is the uh, Indianapolis or Indiana Convention Center, and that's where all the press stuff is, the media stuff. The players come up to the podium. All the meetings that the prospects have with the teams happens there. So that's kind of the NFL model. So for the draft, it was similar. They had uh, right outside Kitty Corner to the Caesars Forum, which is a big convention center in, in Vegas right off the strip. They had the big, you know, stage and everything for the fans set up for the live picks themselves. And then, you know, stones throw away, I guess, basically connected to that sector. Right, Zach? It was the, the forum where they had us set up, the media. And uh, where we stayed, if I were to tell you, yeah, we stayed at Caesars Palace. And all the events were at Caesars Forum. It makes it sound like it was a hop, skip, and a jump. No problem. But no, dude, it was not only a lot of walking for us, which, you know, cry us a river. We, we're, not, we're not looking for anybody's tears, in all honesty. But, Zach, there were 100,000 people. Vegas is always cray-cray. And as someone who grew up not far from Las Vegas, okay, I've been there at some of the high points on the calendar. I've been there for New Year's Eve. I've been there for the 4th of July. The draft, the closest thing that I could compare to the number of human bodies that were descended on about one square city block of, of the Strip, Zach, was, is, uh, you know, back in the day, especially, was New Year's Eve. 
it was congested. It was hopping. It was busy. And for guys like Zach and I who were just grinding, trying to get to and from, it complicated things a little bit. But still, it was fun. If you're a people watcher like me, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I confirm that Caesar, in fact, did not live in Caesar's Palace. So shout out to uh, Alan from The Hangover. I did see, and you saw as well, a lot of Broncos jerseys, a lot of Broncos fans, Broncos country was out there in Vegas representing. We saw everything from Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. We even saw a Deontay Spencer Broncos jersey. Must have been his agent or someone close to Deontay Spencer. Uh, it's it's always a wild time, but you can tell, though, just by the the – Reading the room, the energy in the crowds, and obviously the Broncos memorabilia and gear that you see, it's a lot different than it was last year, three years ago, four years ago. It's a new era in Bronco land, and uh, it's, it's palpable. Yes, indeed. Speaking of palpable, my uh, love, respect, admiration, gratitude for Ethan, a.k.a. the DW guys across the pond, is just that. It is palpable. Thank you for that very, very, very generous super chat, Ethan. Wow. You to man. Um, he says, here's to a great season. Russell Wilson ready to take this team to where we haven't been in six years. Can't wait. Speaking of Russell Wilson, Ethan, did you get your jersey? It should be there by now, I would think, because it finally got to me, and then I mailed it, I don't know, a couple days before I left uh, for Vegas. And I remember the last one it was a pretty quick turnaround. It was like a week to get to, to you across the pond through uh, the, the post or whatever. But Zach, what a stud. We don't as often get to see Ethan on our show because we're nighttime. So he's whatever, eight, nine hours ahead of us in the UK. He hangs out with Scott, with Nick on the morning show. But what a very uh, outgoing show of support. Yes. Thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, it's totally humbling. And we're so grateful for your generosity. Uh, the Broncos are going to be out. That's what the the whispers are saying right now, Chad. They're going to have a uh, England game next year against the Jaguars, I think, at Wembley Stadium. So anyone in the UK... Probably get a chance to see the Broncos up close and personal this coming season. Exciting stuff. Sam Bam, what is good, bro? couple of early supers before we even went live. Thank you, we're Sam. Seriously, we're just so grateful. Thank you, guys. Sam Bam. Evening, Chad and Zach. Not sure what your opinion is of Colin Cowherd, but he said the Broncos have had the best overall offseason on his show today, and I agree completely. George Payton has been a grand slam hire. Go Broncos in John Elway, we trust, right? It's like, you know, it's, it's like if you've ever been in those conversations, Zach, when you were like maybe starting to come into your own as a teenager and you're like talking with your buddies about if there's a God or not. And like you kind of get into this stupid like teenage philosophy and then someone goes, oh, you believe in God? Yeah. All right. Who created God? And you're like, whoa, dude. Nihilism. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> your brain starts doing this. Well, wait a minute. Everyone's saying in George we trust, but maybe what we should be saying all along is in John we trust still because were it not for John, right. we wouldn't have George Payton. But anyway, your thoughts as I am being a little bit goofy right now on what he's asking about Colin Cowherd. Well, obviously, I love the Russell Wilson acquisition. I really, really, really like what Peyton did in free agency. Uh, we're going to get into it, and I had a couple videos go up at the draft. I'm not overly wild, as I think a lot of Broncos country is, about the Broncos draft, but if you hire Nathaniel Hackett and you trade for Russell Wilson, that's an A offseason automatically. Anything they do is the cherry on top of that. Colin Coward, it's crazy. A couple years ago, he was riding the Drew Locke train. He was the conductor. Uh, that failed, obviously, and now he's getting back up on his horse and trying again. Um, it's nice that the Broncos are getting simping 
from national talking heads instead of being uh, ostracized by them or lambasted by them. I don't really care. I'll say it one more time what Colin Coward, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, Nick Wright have to say about the Broncos, but it's better than hate in a way. No doubt. Change of pace. Bron- at least the Broncos are being discussed, right? I mean, that's, that's small really victories, baby. We'll take it. Hey, Miss Carter, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for the stars. We really, really do appreciate you. Uh, Shane Daniels, the aviator himself. Yo, showing out from the sky because that's where the aviators hang out. Thanks, Shane. Shane, evening, Chad and Zach. What UDFA do you think has the best chance to make the final 53? Go ahead, Zach, if you've got some thoughts on this. There's two, and the Broncos gave these guys uh, pretty hefty bonuses as far as UDFAs go. Uh, Chris Allen, the pass rusher from Alabama, outside linebacker, he's had some injury history. Uh, At the time of his injury in 2020, he was, I think, leading the NCAA in tackles for loss or pressures in one category that was pretty impressive. Uh, He's a very, very try-hard type of player that thrived under Nick Saban. The Broncos could have something there. Um, I think he's going to probably make the practice squad considering how they paid him. And uh, Jaquan McMillian from East Carolina, the cornerback, I think he graded out, according to Pro Football Focus, as the best cover corner in the country. That's among all cornerbacks in that relative department. He's a smaller guy, and it would indicate he's a slot cornerback, but I put on Twitter a boldish prediction. Not only will McMillian make the Broncos' final roster, he's going to make it over a Sang Bassey. If I'm Ojemudia or a Sang Bassey, I did not like the way the Broncos' draft went. They added a ton of cornerbacks, both in the draft and in the uh, undrafted free agency, period. Here's the thing, guys. We're going to go over a lot of this tonight, some of the feedback that the Broncos have gotten for their 2022 draft class. As you heard <clears throat> pardon me, uh, from Zach when he was talking with Claudette uh, Montana Patterson on those videos the, while we were in Vegas, uh, as you heard from myself last night when Eric was kind enough to join us on the show, this is not a draft class that at first glance, on the surface, off the cuff, pick the phrase, uh, really turns my crank. And, you know, I've yet to really speak to any analyst in Broncos media, to be honest with you, that was like geeked up about it in any way, shape or form. There's a few nice picks. Don't get me wrong. All right. You know, there's there's something nice to be said for a few of the picks in particular. But unlike Peyton's first swing at the plate last year, this one's, you know, is going to take a little time to to sink in or whatever. Phil, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the stars. But it doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter what grades you read out there. What matters is how it 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 plays out on the grass once this team finally gets out and starts, you know, playing games. We'll go through some of that stuff, but I guess Zach, what I'm trying to say to people is, you know what, this team has was strong enough in and of itself right off the bat before the draft even started, especially with the arrival of Russell Wilson, that George Payton could swing and miss on every one of this year's picks, and the roster is going to be probably okay. So whatever comes this year by way of this class. In my opinion, it's almost like viewing it like it's gravy. It's a gift and a curse when the Broncos employ the free agent plan they did, which was fill every hole on the roster with veterans and leaving no true holes behind for the draft. What George Payton did was draft depth and uh, project pieces, developmental pieces. That signals to me that the Super Bowl window is wide, wide open for Denver, and Payton and company expect to fly through it rather quickly considering how they drafted. A couple thoughts about it. Um, I do like the autonomy and the influence that Peyton and Hackey gave to the Broncos assistant coaches. It seemed like on day two and day three, they were appealing directly to Ajiro Evero and Dwayne Stukes. 
Uh, for example, a lot of people crushing the Montreal Washington pick. I think it was the fifth round, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. He, he could have been a UDFA. A lot of people are saying, well, he's going to be an instant impact player on specials. That's a punt returner and a kick returner. He's everything Isaiah McKenzie was supposed to be. So when you boil the, tra- the draft down, looking at it through that scope, like the Broncos are set in stone already. Like you said, they have the foundation to go out and compete for a title. Anything, anyone they add are just bonuses, cherries on top of that. From that point of view, I understand it. But you can question the individual processes like, do you need Greg Dulcich at that spot? Did you need him there? Why didn't you take an offensive tackle in the draft? The Broncos, Chad, have made, I did my research, 29 draft picks since 2020. Not one of them has been a pure right tackle. They're allergic. Yes, indeed. It's, uh, you know, Peyton said in his post-draft presser that they had their eyes on a few different tackles and it just never really fell their way, but um, I just think they were comfortable enough with the guys they added this offseason and re-signing Calvin Anderson to just not feel any real pressure or need. And honestly, for a lot of teams out there, especially when it comes to tackle, they take chances, man. They swing a little early. They reach sometimes just because it's hard to find a good one. It really is. Real quick, Zach, I want to just to bolster kind of some of the feedback that's coming in on the Broncos class. Now, most of you, you probably listened to a lot of what Nick Kendall had to say during the uh, day one, day two, and day three live streams here at Mile High Huddle. You probably listened to him this morning on uh, Broncos for Breakfast. But here's his initial grade for the Denver Broncos class. And again, guys, even a guy like Nick who just lives and dies uh, based on the draft, he's aware. There is a self-awareness here that grading a class before they've even stepped foot on an NFL field you know, that's a in a sense, there's it's an exercise in uh, obsolescence, I guess. But still, people want to know. People that read these names that don't know anything about these names, they want to hear from the people who do know what they think of the class. And so, Nick stepped up to the plate. Bottom line, Zach, this is the this is the grade Nick gave this this class, and it's a pretty long piece. That's why it took me just barely about ninety seconds to just to scroll to the bottom. <laughs> but it's really worth your time. Read this. Zach, this is about where I feel. It's like a C-ish grade for me on this class. Some really good marks on a couple, and then a few that really tank it for me. Uh, how how would you feel, you know, a grade? You've had two, three nights to sleep on it for most of these picks anyway. Your thoughts? I mean, honestly, I think the Broncos' fourth-round picks are my favorite of the draft, not their second or third rounders or anything after that. They've they made a couple nice selections. A couple selections I'm kind of warming up to, including uh, Nick Benito. I will not warm up to uh, Dulcich until the season rolls around, if then. Uh, the Montreal-Washington pick was a good pick, I think, for what he's going to do right away. But then you have the safety they took. You know, Then you have a, a center and not a or a guard and not a tackle. So few head-scratchers. Uh, you wonder if they could have got these guys as UDFAs or later in the draft. They overdrafted. You wonder if they could have used... Uh, it reminds me, Chad, honestly, of the K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy quandary going first and second round receiver when you pass up a tackle. There were tackles on the board when they made their pick for Benito and also Dulcich. Could they have gone in different directions? That'll be revisionist history in a year, two years, three years. For now, I fully agree with that. I'd say about C+, C plus is the grade. On this same topic, uh, Cody, real quick, though. Appreciate the super chat, buddy. He says, Nick over Chad. Don't love it. Don't hate it. Eh? Nick over Chad, Chad. I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, when you got two Nicks that were just, uh, you, know, you got a Nick and a Chad that were just involved in the same conversation, that timing of that particular 
chat kind of threw me off. But, uh, hey, Broncos, look, I think it's a little flippant, Zach, to say off-ball linebackers don't matter. But in terms of the hierarchy, the Broncos are amongst those teams, probably at the very top of those teams, that do not believe in expending high capital, whether it's in the draft, Zach, or even uh, salary cap dollars on the position. So it doesn't shock me at all. I didn't want them to draft an inside linebacker at 64. I wanted a tackle or an edge. So at least in part, I got what I wanted. Here's the thing, Zach. The board did not. It's like when we did our mock draft, exactly. right? The war room. Yeah. Everyone was kind of like, you know, uh, draft us, interrupt us, kind of like over before it started because it just didn't fall our way. And then we tried to make some lemonade out of that. That's oftentimes how it goes for teams. And I think that's initially anyway how it happened for the Denver Broncos. Very few people, I think, went into this draft thinking the Broncos were going to select Nick Bonito at pick 64. Yeah, lemonade tastes pretty good regardless, but this was like Minute Maid lemonade, you know, the cheap lemonade that you could do a lot better. So um, in that sense, it's it's tougher to swallow. An inside linebacker, here's the case. Under Evero, uh, they, the people who believe inside linebacker doesn't matter, and there's some truth to it in this context that Evero didn't use a lot of, or the Rams didn't use a lot of uh, inside linebackers in their base and sub packages. So they're not going to be a, a crucial component of the Broncos' defense. I'm okay with them passing on Muma or an off ball if their linebackers weren't Josie Jewell inside guys and Alex Singleton. If they didn't just convert Baron Browning to edge, I'd feel a lot more comfortable. I'm in that scenario. I can understand why they went with Benito over Muma, but it's uh, it's uh, subjective for sure. Seven two seven mil, and then I'll come back to uh, I'll come back to this analytics thing Thomas Hall published. I want to get to here. Um, good to see you, bro. Thank you for the very generous super chat. He says, I'm not a fan of the draft. We needed inside linebackers. We needed offensive tackle. We got none. Dean, uh, Nicobe Dean was sitting right there, the Georgia linebacker. And if we're going to take a wide out, we should have just took Justin Ross. It was so much O-line out there in Peyton. We trust. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line here is I think Zach, I, 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 theorize perhaps one of the reasons why I think part of the issue why we kind of feel a little off base here with this class is it doesn't feel congruent usually everything with Peyton there's a congruency like if he says something guess what then he does something you know the things he says it comes out on the wash the behaviors you kind of learn to expect and predict etc and I think the first year when he was drafting I don't know if it was uh, I mean we know he was a new he was very new to the to the building and still not even knowing some of the scouts remembering some of the scouts names off the top of his head when they sat down for the actual war room itself like that's how new he was. I don't know if this year's acts the reason for that kind of feeling of it not lining up with what we've seen from Peyton before is I think he let the Nathaniel Hackett staff be much more a part of the decision-making. Obviously they all chipped in on some of the scouting reports and things like that. But um, I think a lot of these were coaches saying, no, this guy, you know, he might not be ranked this high over here that whatever, but for our scheme, he's number one right now. Let's get him. And I think a lot of it is, this is just a theory of mine is George Payton trusting that. Yeah. It's a great way to build trust in the building. I tweeted this, you know, for the 
hashtag process. It's uh, showing that support and that faith in your uh, subordinates, which the assistant coaches are. And to your point, I agree. It seems like George Payton said to Dwayne Stukes, do you want this guy? Dwayne Stukes said yes, and they drafted him. On one hand, that's um, refreshing and admirable. On the other hand, it's a risk. It's it's, uh, very, very progressive, maybe too progressive. We shall find out soon enough. I think Justin Ross, though, and his medicals were awful, but he can play. I think he went to Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. That's a good pickup for them. But I want to caution, not just the Broncos uh, drafted Montreal, Washington. They picked up App State receiver Jalen Virgil. I don't know much about him. I'm not going to lie. I looked up his highlights. That kid can fly with a capital F. So maybe they found something there in the uh, in the eighth round. Very well could be. Very well could be. Uh, the Duchess, what is going on, Michaela? It's great to see you. Love you. Appreciate the super chat. She says, I heard some media and some of the fans uh, that the Broncos had the worst draft of all 32 teams. Yeah, I mean, Eric said, what was it last night, Scott, that on his big board it was based on value, the Broncos had the 31st value or let's just say second worst by value draft class and then there was the consensus board also turned out to be based on consensus uh big board rankings the broncos class by value meaning if you're drafting a fourth a guy in the fourth round that should have been in the fifth that's not good value that's what they mean by value so yeah it's not a lot of initial i mean i've only actually read one truly positive thing from anyone Uh, in the media, and I'll get to that here in a little bit from pro football focus of all freaking people, believe it or not. Um, But uh, yeah, it is what it is. But Michaela, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and by the way, Scott, this might be a good time for us to do our our drawing. Um, The Broncos roster and what they did to acquire Russell Wilson, it was in such good shape that even if George Payton swung and missed on every nine picks that he made in this draft, I think the Broncos actually are still going to be okay. But does that sound like something Peyton will do? He's not a guy that typically strikes out like that. Yeah, time will tell. It's not. It's definitely not as flashy as a class of, of last year uh, compared to last year. They're not going to be, I think, as many instant in- impact players as last year. But, Michaela, I got three words for you. Let them hate. You know, who cares what the fans say? Who cares what the media says? If the Broncos players they draft, you can go out there and help the team win. That's all that matters. We shall see come September. Hang in there. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. uh, Jalen Virgil, Denver, what's good? Can't wait to get to work. Speed Demon. There you go. As you guys know, uh, last month we did not hit goal on Facebook. There is no jersey randomly selected drawing from um, those who contributed to the goal. But on YouTube, there is. And the way it goes, top five finishers, their names go in a hat. That's a cumulative number, uh, meaning by total, right? Total Super Chat that they contributed to the channel and we're going to randomly select it's, it's an equal thing. Everyone's got the same number uh, or same odds as it were to win in a descending order of the top five. So Scott's going to go ahead and uh, run this randomizer. Hey, sorry to come in here like this. How how we're waiting. This is yeah. Thank you. It's, it's reverse. It's reverse order. So there's five names. There's five names that were eligible in the top five. If you finish first, DWI guys finished first, so his name goes in five times. Right. Michaela finished second, her name goes in four times. And you can see that I'm gonna I'm gonna copy and paste that list into the list of names, and I'll pick one name and it'll pop up underneath there where it says random names. So just wanted to say pop in and say thanks to everyone uh, that contributed. It was a 
long and distinguished list of super chat uh, folks that came in, some people just outside of the top five. And uh, looking forward to a another great May. So uh, I'm going to hop back off, and we are going to randomize a name this time right here in front of y'all. Let's do it. Thank you, Scott, for breaking that down. I, the I rare almost Scott botched it. I almost appearance. botched it. He's like Shep okay. of the Huddle Up podcast. That's right. Here we go. Uh, let's see who's the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. He's got to paste it in there, and now he gets to pick a random uh, – the randomizer will pick a name. And uh, here we go. Dun, 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 dun. And we need like the Jeopardy. Oh, it's Ethan. Ethan wins again. Ethan wins two times in a. Is it twice in a row, right? But hey, if you finish number one, you bump those odds. You bump those odds. Um, do it one more time, Scott. Do it one more time and remove Ethan. Ethan's one. That's done. He's the winner. But do it one more time and remove Ethan. Let's see what happens. Ooh, plot twist. Okay, Michael Ronquillo. All right, awesome. So, Michael Ronquillo, you're going to get a care package, all right, from us as well as a small thank you for supporting us the way you do constantly. I mean, April, you threw down like a boss. That's why you were in the top five. And you've already gotten off to a hot start for us here in May. So, thank you, my friend. Thanks to each and every one of you who do choose to uh, support, whether it's the Huddle Up Pod or any of the other shows, MHH, we love you. Thank you, guys, and congrats. Um, on the jersey, though, Ethan, he's probably sawing logs by now. He got a super chat in, Zach, way early. He's going to have to let us know what jersey he wants. Um, Andrew Baker says, thanks to all the MHH crew for this draft. It was a lot of fun. Can't wait for Wednesday to chalk it up with the priest. Yes, and let it breathe. Yes, may the 4th be with us all when Andrew arrives on uh, Wednesday. It's going to be a gas. We can't wait. We can't wait. (laughs) Pardon me. Also, we didn't hit goal All right, on Facebook, but I think – it would be a tad, I don't know, ungrateful for us to not do something to recognize the people that tried to help us reach goal in the month of April. And so what we're doing here is the person that contributed the most, all right, that person is Mark Schrader. He gets a Demarius Thomas jersey. Okay. Nice. But I don't know what Mark Schrader's size is, Scott. So if you see him, guys, you know, it's not quite as impolite to ask a grown man what his size is, right? Just, hey, Mark, what's up, dude? Hey, what's your jersey size? Get that intelligence back to back to Zach and I so we can get him a jersey sent out. All right. Congrats, Mark. Okay. Back to uh, the chat here. Thank you, guys. Uh, Phil, from all the comments I've seen, it seems to me the coaches took over the draft. That might explain why some why I'm scratching my head. Yeah, I think it's a big factor. It's not the only factor, uh, but it's a it's a it's part of it. But let me let me show you a few things here on this uh, Thomas Hall article. As you guys know, Thomas is our analytics czar, and he's also like our historical his new podcast that's going to be dropping later this week, Friday morning. By the way, Legends of Mile High, you're going to be stoked Friday morning at the same time that those of you who enjoy the morning show with Nick and and Scott. That 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time slot, that's when Thomas's show is going to debut on Friday, and it's going to be every Friday, the Legends of Mile High podcast. Analytics, Zach, we know that's Tom's bag, but also he's like our historian of the Denver Broncos. He went through, as you can see in the headline here, analytics suggests more than half of the Broncos' 22 draft picks uh, will be misses. Now, look, I'm not going to go through and read this whole thing. We have fish to fry. We got people in the chat here. 
but let me just distill it and read to you the, the main takeaway. So the analytics, he's here's how he formulated it. He's analyzed every single NFL draft pick since 2009. The players drafted fall into three categories. It's either an impact player. That's a player he qualifies as having had at least one All-Pro or Pro Bowl award, Zach. Two, a primary starter. That's a player who's been a primary starter for his team and for more than 50% of his career. And then just a straight-up miss. All right, so those are the three categories. And he went through and he calculated the probability of success of each of Denver's 22 draft picks by position for each round. All right, so go read this article. It's, it's a little bit too dense for me to try and just distill it uh, every single one here, but let me read the takeaway, all right, that he uh, gets to at the end. Quote, at first glance, the Broncos did not knock it out of the park like they did in the 21 draft. Denver did add value with some trades, but only selected four positions that are in the top half of probability of being a hit for the spot in which they were selected. The analytics suggest that more than half of the prospects the Broncos drafted this year, Zach, will likely be misses. That's just based on stats, analytics, historical precedents, etc. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I appreciate the work that he put into the article. Um, I'm not one to lean solely on data or analytics or probabilities to tell me if, if a player is good or if that was a good pick. I have my own intuition, my own judgment. I use my own brain, my own heart to come to my own conclusion. Um, I, I don't think that George Payton, it's two different circumstances. This is why I understand some people who gave the draft class maybe a B plus or B minus. Um, it wasn't the same circumstances last year where you're looking for and needing day one contributors. You have major holes to fill throughout the roster. What was the biggest hole to fill Chad inside linebacker where you're, you already dressed that with two players, right? Tackle. You already dressed that with three players. We both wanted those positions to be filled, uh, preferably before tight end, let's say. But I understand why Peyton did what he did from that sense. He's looking for long-term players they can build around, depth pieces, and special teams has been something he's talked about from the moment they fired Vic Fangio and Tom McMahon. It wasn't good enough last year. You can tell it really didn't sit right with George Peyton or the Broncos front office. They made it a point to address that, not just with the personnel, but the hiring of Dwayne Stukes, who I really like a lot. I think he's going to bring accountability back to that side of the ball, and he'll have players now that can help him uh, reach that goal, including uh, Montreal, Washington. Um, yes, indeed. I was going to show you guys this Nick Kendall article, but I realized we've been having this bug with the, the system we use um, at SI Foundation to publish, where it's not been saving some things. And uh, as the copy editor of this article, it initially saved it under my byline, but this was written by Nick Kendall. We'll go through this here in just a second. First, we got to grab this, uh, this super chat here from Alan. Alan, thank you for that. Appreciate it, buddy. It says the draft is a gamble and it's pointless to be reactionary about the draft. Hopium until proven otherwise. <laughs> I like that. Hopium. That's good stuff, but it's true. I mean, you don't know how it's going to shake out quite yet. And Zach, you talked about two different um, imperatives almost like last year. Look, you didn't know really who for sure was going to be your quarterback come the season opener. And, you know, that probably affects whether a GM or a scouting department wants to admit it or not. And a coaching staff that probably affects the lens in which picks are made, right? The, the way these prospects are viewed when you have a, when you have a stable presence and a proven presence under center, probably allows you to maybe be a little bit more, I don't know, not loosey goosey, but you can air maybe a little bit more on the side, on the side of upside. Like 
Think about the time uh, Peyton Manning was a Bronco. Those four years, a lot of that's what John Elway did. Now, most of those classes outside of 2012, I mean, the 2013 class, utterly forgettable. 2014, there was a couple. I mean, Bradley Roby did contribute to the World Championship um, Super Bowl 50 squad. 2015, there was one or two, and then Peyton was gone. It was you saw John Elway really swinging for the fences because he knew the bases were covered, Zach, right? Because you had Peyton. So it was kind of, I think, took some pressure off. I don't know if that's what happened here uh, or if it's just like a mix of factors, including the coaches being more involved, et cetera. It's hard to get a beat on it. I mean, once you trade for Russell Wilson, you sign Randy Gregory, DJ Jones, K1 Williams, you're pretty set for the uh, coming regular season. But here's the difference. The Broncos drafted last year purely for need. Whereas this year, it was pure BPA. Last year, they needed a cornerback at number nine. They needed a running back in the second round, a guard in the third round, et cetera, et cetera. Baron Browning, an inside linebacker. They didn't need, let's say, Nick Benito at 64. They didn't need Dolches. They didn't need a safety where they took one or a cornerback where they took one. It was those players were the true BPA on the Broncos board, for better or for worse. They might have overdrafted, but they stuck to their guns because they had the luxury to. This was a a dart throw this whole draft because they did enough in the offseason, namely Russell Wilson, to put the Broncos in a position to contend regardless of who they drafted. Well said. Colby says here, I had a C-plus for the draft. Also would have been a B-plus if the Broncos would have taken Chad Muma, the Wyoming linebacker, but I'm a Wyoming guy, he says. And then we got Philip Hogginson jumping in. Thank you for that, Philip. Evening, guys. An interesting draft. I'm not totally disappointed. Well, here's the thing. If you have a feeling, a taste in your mouth where you are a little bit disappointed, you guys got to remember, and this is part of what how PFF, um, these two guys anyway at PFF, factored their grades. You got to kind of include Russell Wilson as a part of this draft class, honestly. If you want to make it whole, if you want to be as, um, I don't know, fair, I think, in evaluating this class, here, here's what I mean. Let me just read these guys. This is what they're saying as they're getting to uh, – this is from the Pro Football Focus Tailgate Podcast hosts Austin Gale and Mike Renner, Renner being one of the senior analysts there at PFF. Quote, no – this is from Gale. Quote, no first-round pick. They obviously traded for Russell Wilson. Round two, they grabbed Nick Benito, the last pick of round two. I like Benito a lot, a designated pass rusher right away. Is he going to play run defense given how light he is? Probably not. Some teams like him at off-ball linebacker. Maybe he does some of that for Denver. Greg Dulcich, the UCLA tight end at pick 80. Damari Mathis, corner from Pittsburgh. Luke Wattenberg from Washington, who has crazy long arms for an interior offensive lineman. I liked their draft. You factor in also trading for Russell Wilson. I think this is a solid B-plus draft. My favorite pick is probably the Benito pick at 64, close quote. So, Zach, that was their favorite pick, and that's one that I think just didn't land for a lot of Broncos fans. Well, what does it say that they factor in Russell Wilson? It's still only a B plus. I mean, take Russell Wilson out of the equation, what would it be in, in their eyes? A, a D, a D minus? Like that's a pretty big uh, uh, dichotomy there. I, I just, it's it's all subjective. If if you wanted an edge guy, uh, you're happy with the Benito pick. But like I said on the video we did from Vegas chat from the draft. He's basically your first round pick in the fans' eyes, for you know, right or wrong. He is the first pick of this year's draft and a guy that you really didn't need to the letter of the word. When you have Gregory, you have Bradley Chubb, you have a couple dependable backups already, you're converting a young guy in Brown and outside linebacker. Did you need Benito there? No, but it's a luxury pick. Can't have too many edge rushers. The Broncos want to get after the quarterback, and he was the BPA on their board from that 
uh, perspective, I understand it. Sam Bam, thank you, buddy. Number two for the night. So what's next? Three months till training camp? Hashtag dog days of summer. Yeah, so we get rookie mini camp, then we get more OTAs. Honestly, we, we're going to have plenty to still continue to discuss for the next month because the Broncos are going to be busy in the building. They're going to be going through OTAs. We're going to get, Zach, a lot of player and coach availability. There will be storylines for us to break down on a day-to-day. The only swath on the NFL calendar, I'll speak for myself here, Zach, that I kind of dread. In any, I, I shouldn't say dread. I don't dread any aspect of what I do. All right, but if there, if I were to say the, the my least favorite, it would be the NFL summer. And to qualify that, that's halfway through June yeah. until like training period. camp starts end of July. It's a six week. It's the players like true, real like vacation. They all get they vacation as soon as the season's over. Don't get me wrong, but they're still kind of recouping from their wounds. I mean, it was a long season. Like that, six weeks is their last chance before training camp starts and then the whirlwind picks up again. And for us, that's really that six weeks that starts halfway through June till training camp starts end of July. That's the worst part uh, as far as trying to come up with stuff to talk about. But hey, I think we'll be okay, Zach. We've been doing it now for 10 years. It's uh, it's the worst part for business and for content and, and revenue, but it's uh, it's also a good thing for us because it's our only chance to take vacations and get away and disconnect from the NFL before things get crazy. Uh, it's worth noting, since the Broncos have a new coach, they might start training camp a week earlier this year per NFL guidelines. So that six-week uh, respite might be five weeks. But That'd be reg- cool. Regardless, I'm looking forward to the Broncos getting after it this month, next month, and uh, training camp in uh, July. Hey, Tony D.A. Dub jumping in. It's been a minute, bro. Good to see you. Based on free agency in the draft, the Broncos are getting bigger, meaner, and faster on the front seven. Thoughts? Yes, on that subject, let me read what uh, what Mike Renner says here. This is on your same topic here, Tony. We're going to get into it right now. So we, we went through real quick. I want to give everybody as much context as possible because we've talked a lot about negative kind of – I want to I want to dispel with the, some of the negativity because this is a very positive – outlook from pff on denver's draft hall so this is renner who just listened to what gail had to say kind of centering his initial impression on bonito and russell wilson this is what renner said quote i also think that this was one of their two fourth round picks Uazarike, the iowa state defensive tackle and matt henningson the defensive tackle from wisconsin are perfect for that defense you got two good two gapping run defenders that's where we say you should be drafting two gapping run defenders don't draft them with top 50 picks you can get guys who are comparable in the two-gapping skill set. Now, are they going to be pass rushers? Probably not, but they are comparable in that skill set, and that's late in the draft, and they should make an impact for your team. Closed quote. And again, the PFF guys gave him a gave him a, a B plus. So as far as the front seven, you added two really. I mean, two of their better picks the Broncos made were those two defensive line guys that, that Renner just mentioned there. They didn't draft an off-ball linebacker. I like the the guys they have for the most part. That's why when we would get those questions, Zach, leading up to the draft on what you were hoping for at pick 64, I was not hoping for off-ball in round two or round three. Would I have been okay with the right guy? Yes. But I think this team, if you got a healthy Chubb and a healthy Grandy Gregory, factor in DJ Jones up front too with the guys they just added. I'm, I mean, Wazarike is probably a good dark horse day one starter to take over for uh, Mike Purcell as the starter in Shelby Harris's vacated role. 
I mean, yeah, I'm not going to cry about the Broncos having uh, too much help in the trenches because they were gashed against the run last year. So the more the merrier. And like I said, the fourth round picks of Mathis and Awuzurike. I think I botched that, but uh, I might have nailed it. Oh, God, the first time. Um, I do. That was my favorite draft picks, probably the Broncos made uh, overall. But you mentioned him. You just gave $30 million to DJ Jones, whose calling card is run defense. Mike Purcell, when he's healthy, is one of the better run-plugging nose tackles in the NFL. Is it too much at one position? Could they have went elsewhere? So again, it's it's your opinion. I'm not going to get mad at the Broncos for shoring up their run defense and their defensive line, but you wonder what else they could have done. Maybe a tackle. That's the one thing that they missed. I mean, if, if we're being honest, they just did not bring in an offensive tackle. And that was something that Eric, as we were talking last night, Zach, I don't know. I know you were uh, traveling back and whatnot, but uh, that's something Eric kind of agonized over, especially as the Broncos had multiple opportunities in round five to draft Southern Utah's Braxton Jones and ultimately opted not to. But let's grab Ethan, another very generous super chat from across the pond, the reigning winner of the April jersey uh, raffle. Appreciate you, bro. We need to know what jersey you want. That's all we need to know. He says, I'm not a fan of this draft, but this is a great point. Peyton has earned a mulligan for this year. And it's not even a mulligan because a mulligan is, is, is to say it was a bad shot. Uh, move it on. You know, move on. Let's just erase it. Go again. In this case, we it, on, at first glance, for some people, it might seem bad. But these guys haven't hit the grass yet. We, we can't really jump to any conclusion or form any kind of conclusion, Zach, until we see them actually out there on the field. And some people would say, no, you need five years before you can truly grade a class. Like it has to truly be in retrospect. I wouldn't go that far, but I do want to wait until we see him out there. What did Spider-Man say? Everyone gets one. That's the case for George Payton. He would have gotten one last year as a rookie GM, but he absolutely knocked it out of the ballpark with his draft class. We won't know, though, at least for a year, what this draft class looks like, but he already uh, checked off his biggest need and won the offseason when you trade for Russell Wilson and the way he did that. So, again, I'm not sweating the draft too much when the quarterback of the Broncos is Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. That's right. Juero. What's up, bro? Thank you, buddy. He says, I was more disappointed with who we left on the board than the players we picked, if that makes sense. Totally does. Same same thing like when Zach and I were complaining about KJ Hamler. Really didn't have much to do with KJ. I mean, that might sound ridiculous, but it was more about, you know, the context of how how and when that pick was made, who you took in the first round, et cetera, et cetera. Um, more excited, says Huero, to see how our undrafted free agents yeah. turn out. I mean, I'm excited for it all, dude, and I'm very optimistic that, look, Vic Fangio and his staff, especially on the defensive side, was very good with taking um, pro guys, veteran guys, I should say, and plugging them into a system and helping them reach and unlock an additional level that they heretofore had yet to really approach. Outside of Patrick Sertan, who's a unicorn, can't really say he did that, that Fangio's staff on the defensive side, Zach, had a lot of success with any other young draft pick that came on defense. I mean, look at Michael O.J. Mudia, look at uh, uh, Justin Sternod, failure to launch at least at linebacker. This cl- this coaching staff, though, I am much more optimistic because the, the entire focus is helping players to learn correctly, <clears throat> helping them to assimilate the information from scheme and playbook to technique to – you know, like in Nick Benito's case, it's not just a matter of, hey, learn how to play run defense. He's going to have to really 
become an expert at, at nutrition at all the different strength and conditioning it's going to take for him to thicken up his, his bottom half because that's a big concern. And without that, Zach, he, he can't become much better at setting the edge and being that edge defending uh, run fit guy. So I just have a lot more faith in this coaching staff to be able to take a class that maybe at first glance appears to be lackluster kind of wiping off some of the dirt, that diamond that you just pulled out. You're like, wait, what is this? A big cl dirt clod, wipe some away, pull it off, and then shine a little. You go, yo, damn, this is a nice gem. Especially on the offensive side as well, led by Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, for years in a row now, we were deathly afraid of handing the Pat Shermer and Fangio any offensive prospect. Now I want Hackett and company to work with them. One guy that wasn't signed as a UDFA but has a minicamp tryout, I wrote a story about him earlier today, uh, really interesting guy, uh, Eastern Washington quarterback Eric Berrier, who's drawn comparisons actually to Russell Wilson, who's a he's a dual threat ability kind of guy, uh, escapability, good deep ball accuracy, strong arm, 6'1", 210. He was a dynamo in college, very productive. If the Broncos do sign him and let's say cut Josh Johnson, who does nothing for me, no upside at all, no ceiling at all, this is one guy I would watch to develop under Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's he's got a chance as Barrier to uh, to show out during the rookie minicamp. And six uh, one, as you said, two ten completed sixty two percent of his passes for all, almost fourteen thousand yards. Nice fat touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, very intriguing young player. Uh, Todd T, what's up, brother? Appreciate you. That's two nights in a row. If you're on Twitter, connect with us so that we can tag you and shout you out tonight when we do so for all of our supporters and Super Chat superstars. He says, uh, nothing against Montrell Washington, the fifth-round pick, but I probably would have picked the developmental tackle Braxton Jones that went six picks later. I would have, too. I would have, too. Um, the only explanation here, because it's one thing, Zach, to say, oh, no, the coordinator, Dwayne Stukes, like he saw something in this guy. He believes in it. He's pounding the table. Cool. But was there a plausible threat of him not being there in round six? Was there a plausible threat of him not being there in seven or even as a college free agent? The Broncos must have, could be my only conclusion here, Todd, had some kind of intelligence that led them to believe another team was looking at swooping in on Montreal, Washington before the Broncos went on the clock again. And so what that tells you is, again, we talk about BPA versus need, right? And that there's a happy medium for most NFL teams from a pragmatic perspective. Yeah. They take the best player available at the positions they deem to be priority. This tells me right here, this super chat just lays it out. Punt returner, kick returner to the, to this coaching staff in this front office was a bigger roster hole, a bigger roster need than a fourth tackle option at right tackle. Yeah, very well said, and I agree. Um, we have to think about it, too. Deontay Spencer, who Washington is replacing, was a starter pretty much because he's the return man. There was a primary guy, and that was Deontay Spencer. He wasn't good enough. The Broncos let him walk, and once they did that – it became apparent they were looking to upgrade that side of the ball. They got a massive upgrade in Dwayne Stukes and now a massive upgrade as a return man in Washington, who can also be a little bit of a dynamo in the mold of Isaiah McKenzie circa Buffalo, not circa Denver. Uh, another gadget player, fast player, get the ball in his hands and look what could happen. And it seems like when they signed Billy Turner, they signed Tom Compton, they re-signed Calvin Anderson – they felt good there. They might be evaluating these guys for next year to see if any of them deserves a longer-term contract than a one-year commitment. I would have shorn up the spot a little more, but Peyton said himself, he pretty much gave it away when he was asked in his pre-draft presser about quarterback and tackle, 
he goes, um, we're definitely interested in drafting a cornerback or two, but, and then conversely, we're not going to reach for a right tackle. We're not going to do anything reckless. So it, that, that was his priority all along. We'll have to see how it shakes out. Hopefully Billy Turner holds up. That's all I can say. Uh, Clayton, one of our great supporters on Facebook. Appreciate that, buddy. Uh, sorry to hear that you've been sick. Hope you're back on your feet. Wants to know our overall grade. Um, we don't have enough time to go through every pick, but I'll tell you, as I you might have missed it at the very top of the show, I would give off this. Again, this is off the cuff. This is at first glance. And, you know, I've had three or four days now. Well, let's see, Saturday night, Sunday night. Two days since the draft in itself was complete, but since the f- second round, day two, Friday night, you know, three nights, I'm going to give it a C. That's that's my initial take, but I'm still keeping open the possibility, in fact, a probability that it ends up in retrospect being a much high, much a, a class that is much more highly regarded than it currently is. I just think that these guys. One of the reasons why it kind of comes off the way it does is none of these were names that you heard a lot of the draft Knicks talking about. None of these were names that you heard our own NFL draft analysts talking too much about. There are a few exceptions here, but that's a big reason for it. I would agree with Nick. I, I give the draft about a C plus. It could be a B minus or a B if one of these guys becomes a day one starter, whether it's Benito or Dulcich. If one of these guys can step up and be an instant impact player, uh, it can go up. But right now it's a C plus. I'm putting my money, like if you said, hey, nine picks are hitting the roster plus all the undrafted guys. If you had to pencil in one as a true dark horse to earn a a starting job as a rookie this year, I'm going to say it's the defensive tackle. I got to see it to say it right. Awuzarike. Awuzarike? Nailed it. All right, on the nose. I'm, I'm being told on the nose. This is good. Anyway. Don't sleep on him. So it's not like this is not chopped liver here, guys. Cody Dub, Greg Dulcich, the tight end, looks good. His gauntlet stunned people. Yeah, and he does a freaking uncanny Weird Al impersonation. I don't know if you guys knew that, but for sure. The Queens Act. Uh, yeah, Christy showing up. Appreciate you, Christy. Always uh, good to see you. Always happy to see you. Love you. Appreciate you. How is everyone tonight? Very happy to be on here again, uh, talking Broncos, talking the draft. Uh, interesting draft, for better or for worse. Dulcich, I don't care about the hair. You know, we had the belly last year with Quinn Miners and the hair now with Dulcich. I don't care about that. Can you catch passes? Can you be a difference maker? Can you help out Russell Wilson? That's what I care about. Could you have got Dulcich maybe a little later? Maybe. But say la vie. Can't look in the past. All we can do is look forward. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you guys the picture so when this first was this pick was first made, this isn't the exact picture that they were showing us on Zach when we were in the media room watching as the pick was made, but it's a close approximation. Here's a facsimile, and why initially I looked up, I'm like, "Yo, is that weird, Al Yankovic? Uh, what the Sam Hill? Let me see. Let's see how well you can see this. It's the one on the far right here. This one. All right. Now, if you if you just glance, you're like, "Yo, that's weird, Al. Am I tripping? I don't know. Anyway." Christy, great to see you. Much love to the queen. Uh, We're at 50 minutes, so we're about out of time here, guys. We got to start winding it down. We have missed you. I got a chance to talk with you last night. Zach, he's been chomping at the bit. I explained to everyone, Zach, that while we were in Vegas, the reason we only made one oh-so-brief appearance on the actual draft live streams is because the Wi-Fi in the media room was so bad. But you got to remember, guys, you've got freaking media coming from all over the 
United States and in actually too all over the world. All it's like if you ever um, most teams and schools have have upgraded, but if you you know even as as two three years ago, if you go to a, a Bronco game and try to use your Wi-Fi. It's like, yo, I can't, I'm trying to load Facebook. I won't load. It's because there's so much demand on that one tower. You've got 70 some odd thousand people all connected to that tower um, that it's just bad service. That's basically what we were dealing with there. They didn't think beyond that for whatever reason. So we had to make lemonade and, and find other ways to be helpful aside from being on the live stream. At least the food was good. <laughs> Very the good. It wasn't, but the food was good. Surprisingly good. The raspberry. Um, what were those things, dude? And then the cannolis on, on the second night. Ah, and, and the beef, Chad, and the Al Gratin. They fed yep. us pretty well. They did. Props to the I'm NFL for now. that. Um, okay. 52 minutes. Let me see if there's any burning comments I want to grab here. Um, we got someone in on Facebook. I'm not even going to say their name, calling Russell Wilson a hobbit. But here's Zebulon saying that he has won more games in his first 10 years than any quarterback ever, beating out Peyton Manning himself. I think Russell's a top three quarterback QBR, top three QBR all time. He's the best deep pass in football. He's easily worth the trade. Anyone questioning that at this point? I mean, Judas Priest. Would you honestly, you guys know we were – Drew Locke Optimus, right? But still, imagine yourself being in a situation where, yeah, you had that first-round pick, you had an additional second-round pick and all that, but who who were you taking? Desmond Ritter? Were you going to draft uh, the kid from Liberty, Malik? Who were you going to take that was going to be more of an upgrade and honestly more of an impact quarterback for your team for the next 10 years then Russell Wilson, who wants Zach to play for another 10 to 12 years, to directly quote him. I mean, anyone who's uh, showing themselves like that is discrediting their own football intelligence and IQ, and I would, wouldn't take them seriously at all. They want to call him a hobbit, call him a hobbit. Russell Wilson's the Broncos quarterback. His worst season last year, career-wise, stats-wise, was better than anything from any Broncos quarterback since Peyton Manning. I am so pumped that he's fully healthy now, recommitted. He's going to take chances down the field with arguably the best set of skill players around him he's ever had. He's he's in for a major bounce back in 2022. Let him hate. Let him hate. And Zebulon, people are going, wait a minute. Why is Benito being called small when he's 240, 250 pounds, depending on who whose weight you believe on that? It's his... How is um, the distribution of that weight, how it shakes out for him on his frame? He's yoked. He looks like freaking Von Miller from the belly button up. But from the belly button down, I mean, where you have those Earl Campbell-esque trunks on Von Miller, his thighs. No, no, no. It's more like chicken legs for Nick Benito. He's going to need to get stronger there. He, he has to. Even George Payton said that. So that's what people mean for what it's worth. He cannot skip leg day anymore. He has to have a full body, full range exactly. workout. Uh, and that's the problem is 240. It's not the right weight, especially how he's built to hold up against uh, NFL running backs and to play run support like he's uh, struggled with in college. Good pass rusher, but he's not. He has warts against the run. He has to clean up. He has to get bigger. He could stand to use a year in an NFL conditioning program with the Broncos. So maybe the less he plays, the better. Hopefully the plan is – Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb stay healthy, and uh, Benito can be just a situational NASCAR uh, pass rush kind of guy. Todd T with probably the last super chat of the night because we got to get going. 
That's number two for tonight. Appreciate that, buddy. Thank One you. of the unsung moves of this draft was picking up the third rounder for 2023. Yes, yes indeed. Yes, indeed, Zach. Yeah, they only had, what was it, five picks scheduled for next year, and uh, that's a pretty good get. I wasn't crazy, Chad, because they traded out of the third round that ended their day, um, but I do like the haul they got back because that third rounder will be of better value next year than it would be this year. So that's Peyton wheeling and dealing. Oh, looks like we got one more. Michael, good to see you, bro. Appreciate all that you do for us, my dog. You know this. Uh, Tony D.A. Dub, I was at the draft, but it was but was it me? Or were Seahawks fans a bit bitter? Must have been my Russ Broncos jersey. You know, I didn't have too many run-ins with any uh, Seahawks fans, to be frank. I saw a lot of Broncos fans, though. A lot of Broncos fans. I think uh, Seahawks fans were happy with how the initial uh, draft turned out for them with the picks they got back from Russell. They actually took Abraham Lucas right before the Broncos, I feel like, a few picks before. So, um, I don't know. I I didn't run into anyone's personally. All I heard was uh, Drew Locke slander continually throughout the draft. And a lot of that from the media room sitting a there, lot. you know, yeah. it's fun to kind of banter back and forth with people. You have no idea who they are. You're meeting them for the first time. This one's from SB nation. This one's from the, you know, this newspaper from this NFL city, whatever. It was a lot of fun. Um, whoa. As a uh, top rope 11th hour closing the show. Indeed. This Gotta is what, it. this is a closer. Ethan with yet another super chat blowing what few hairs I have left on my, on my dome completely off. He says that, have to show the love for the priest when I can. Normally, I watch your shows in the morning in the UK. You guys are great as well as my boys on the morning show. A great staff. Hashtag the closer. Ethan, you the man, dude. You the man. Love you. Thank you so much. That's Thank why you. it's so well-deserved uh, every time you win something and uh, we can give back to you for all you've done. Thank you so much, Ethan. That's amazing. Really appreciate you, my friend. Have a good uh, start to your week. Zebulon, appreciate you, bro. You the man. Let us know how it went. Throwing down with the Klingons. Hope uh, I can only assume you came out on top because here you are. But Zach's going to do the rundown and I'll grab our shout outs. That's going to do it for the Huddle Up podcast, guys. Going to be back with you after a weekend in Vegas. Uh, we maybe disagree about the Broncos draft. We might agree depending on your point of view, but I love talking about it. Uh, follow us on Twitter until we see you guys next, which is Wednesday, same time, same place. Follow us at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at MyLiHuddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. If you guys would like some merch, it's all right there. A shirt like Chad's wearing, hats like we're wearing, all right there. HuddleUpPod.com. Get yourself some right now. And also Facebook.com slash MyLiHuddlePod. Like that page. Follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But... If you can't do those things, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHA channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. Shout out to these great supporters on Facebook. Andrew Baker, Lena Carter, Phil McLaughlin, Colby C. Collier, Zebulon Omega, Kevin Lind. Appreciate you. And then our great Super Chat superstars today throwing down, starting with Ethan, a.k.a. the DWI guys. Sam Bam, Michaela, the Aviator, Shane Daniels, Cody Dub, seven two seven mil, Alan Perez, Philip Hogginson, uh, let's see, Tony D A Dub, uh, Huero, the D W I guys, Ethan, the D W I guys, uh, multiples here. I'm I'm just reading them as I go. Uh, Huero, Todd T, uh, and I think that covers it. So seriously, thank you guys. Much love. We're off tomorrow. We'll see you on Wednesday when we welcome on Andrew Baker to the show. It's going to be fun. Take care, guys, and as always. Go Broncos. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.